Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! I'm back, so deal with it. Let's do this! Finally, The Rock has come back! Live TV is awesome. The spirit of Ultimate Warrior will run forever! Happy Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to WrestleRant Radio. I am Graham Juice and Matthews for June 16th, 2015, and what a whirlwind of a week it has been in the world of professional wrestling in the last four or five days alone. A great Money in the Bank pay-per-view on Sunday night, a great episode of Monday Night Raw just last night, and then last Thursday, the very unfortunate and abrupt passing of WWE Hall of Famer professional wrestling legend, Dusty Rhodes, you know, I read that and it hit me like a ton of bricks. I mean, to have to lose someone like a Vern Gagne or a someone that we haven't seen in a long time, a legend in the business is one thing. It always sucks to see someone pass away, um, for them to live a full life and whatnot. But Dusty Rhodes, I mean, he was not young; he was 69 years old, but he still had many years left in him. And um, for a guy that we see almost all the time, he's one of the creative geniuses behind NXT, a former NXT general manager. We would see him in all these documentaries, I believe he was featured uh, quite heavily in the uh, ESPN E60 special on NXT from a few weeks ago, so read that last Thursday, could not have been more shocked or saddened when I read that, and uh, WWE properly paying tribute to the American Dream last Sunday at Money in the Bank on Monday Night Raw just last night, as we will, um, right here on WrestleRant Radio today, I'll be bringing in John, who I called and broke the news to, because I know he was... uh, you know, my, he's a lot more into the old school stuff than I am, so I'm sure it hit him even harder home tonight than it did to me. He took a picture with him at a Northeast Wrestling event that we met him at just five years ago. I was able to meet him as well, but uh, he was able to take a picture with him. So we'll be having him on the phone to discuss Dusty Rose, the legacy he left behind and whatnot, to pay tribute to the American Dream in just a little bit. But also on today's show, we're reviewing Money in the Bank from this past Sunday night, Bring it on for the first time ever. Bleacher Report featured columnist Ryan Dilbert. Um, we're going to be bringing him on for the first time ever, as I mentioned, to break down every match and segment from the Money in the Bank special from Sunday and maybe give a few brief raw thoughts as well. But of course, folks, as I mentioned before, we're kicking off the show here today with a tribute to the American Dream. Graham, what's going on? John, how's it going, my man? Before we get down to business here, what were your quick thoughts on Money in the Bank from this past week? All right. Well, I mean, you and I talked a lot about the interviews, the special events that WWE has been putting on. And I'd like to say that Money in the Bank uh, kind of followed the great shows that uh, WWE has been going on. But I'd have to say that of all the pay-per-views we've got in 2015, Money in the Bank had to be the weakest. I'm going to say this back. I'm saying that when you look at Payback, when you look at WrestleMania, when you look at Elimination Chamber, I think that Money in the Bank was the weakest, but still a solid show. I can feel that. I don't know if I would call it the weakest, but it's definitely not as high as Elimination Chamber or WrestleMania is in a stratosphere of its own. But um, I, I, I can I can feel it there. But it was still a good show. I will say that much. But that show, of course, kicking off with the tribute to the one and only Dusty Rhodes. Now I know you were much more into the old school stuff than I was, watching Legends of Wrestling, watching the old content. So I wanted to get your thoughts. I was the one that broke the news to you of the passing of Dusty Rhodes from last week. What was going through your head? I mean, like you said, you're the one who broke the news to me. I was at work, and dusk is past. I really, I didn't have words to time. I mean, Dusty is one of those times that you never, you think they're going to be around forever. Like, you know, you sometimes take them for granted when you see them on WWE television, or maybe if he's on, like, an episode of Countdown or WWE Network, you just think, oh, there's Dusty, you know, you're happy to see him, but you might take him for granted. I think that's why it was especially shocking when uh, to everyone, really, when he passed, because well, he, he, he meant so much to us. We, we never thought that this would actually happen, and it did. And it, it really sobered up a lot of people when it, when it happened, especially me. But um, very, very sad news. I mean, this not only just affected the 
Easily one of the greatest icons in professional wrestling history. You know, as you said, from his work in WWE and beyond in all the territories, it will live on forever. But uh, from your personal experience, and of course, we didn't live on during when he was at his prime in the 70s, 80s. We weren't even born yet. But in watching old content, even something on Legends of Wrestling, because I know only days before he passed, when you were over my place, we were watching some Legends of Wrestling, uh, one of those shows. And I think he was on it. I think he was on one of those roundtables. Yeah. So, anyway, whether it's one of those or whether it's a match or a promo, any fond memories of Dusty Rhodes that you have? Um, I definitely have to say, uh, won the uh, NWA title at the uh, Great American Bash in 86. I mean, of course, it wasn't a lot to really stress my sentiment. But just got that culmination of arguably one of the greatest rivalries of all time, Rick Flair and Dusty Rhodes. And, you know, after being screwed at um, Stark 85, Stark 86, and, you know, he finally gets to the bash, wins it all. I mean, it was it, it, was, it was a great moment for Gus Hero. It's a great moment for professional wrestling. And, uh, I say that, that's probably, that might be his prize moment, his third at WWE Championship, his final great championship. And it was Rick Slater, also one of the greatest of all time. So I'd say that would probably be my... If, if I could be there for any famous Dusty moment, it would probably be at the Great American Bash in 1986. And final question for you, what were your thoughts on the tribute done to Dusty Rhodes, both the Money in the Bank and on Raw, as well as the uh, the documentary that was done for him, if you had a chance to see it, I know it was only last night, I just got done watching it like 10 minutes ago, um, but what were your thoughts on the tributes to Dusty Rhodes? I did watch that uh, tribute last night, I thought it was very well put together on um, they pulled a lot of content from his uh, DVD, which is on uh, on demand on the WWE Network. So I, I uh, advise you go watch it if you haven't seen it. But um, I mean, it was it was really touching. It was re- I didn't think I was going to get emotional. I mean, when I watched Money in the Bank and they did the um, video package for him, and when the, when they told the bell, I, I was I was stern, but I wasn't emotional. But when they actually played the video package to the song by Phil Phillips, uh, "Raging Fire." I mean, that, that, I started to get emotional definitely there, uh, especially going back to when they showed clips of his first NWA championship win, uh, where he's in the locker room and, he, and his face is all bloody, and he goes, uh, I'm now at the top of the mountain, it's going to take a hell of a minute to knock me down. That's, I, I definitely got emotional there, and especially when the video package ended, and um, he was in the middle of the ring at the performance center. And then he said, uh, happy trails to you until we meet again, right, right before it ended. I definitely got emotional there. So that, that video package I thought was very well put together. It had a great song for Dusty. And I, I think that they just they encapsulated what he was all about very well. Um, not only in a documentary, but in that very well put together video package. Just It was one of the most charismatic performers of all time. Probably the most charismatic performers of all time. The greatest talker of all time. And... Um, I think they really put Dusty's legacy together well, and only if you can only do it in two or three minutes in uh, his entire career, if you can only shorten it up in two or three minutes, I think they did that with that video package. So Dusty will be missed, Grant. Uh, I tweeted this today or yeah, this morning. Uh, I'll never forget Dusty Rhodes, and I imagine no one will ever forget Dusty Rhodes. That's how that's how much he means to a lot of people. Absolutely. I felt that video package. I mean, WWE's production team is second to none when it comes to like tributes and anything. I mean, when you look at promos, but especially when they do video packages for people that pass, whether it was him, whether it was Dusty or Warrior or Mae Young, Paul Bear, the list, Savage, the list goes on and on and on. They're just amazing when it comes to that kind of stuff. But a tremendous okay. tribute to, to Dusty Roach from last night. The tribute was great. Um, the bell toll, like you said, was very well done. The crowd is very respectful. But um, absolutely one of the most inspirational and influential talents, not only in professional wrestling from the past and the present, but as you mentioned when he was standing at the Performance Center. Because, you know, it, it's one of those things, because I know we talked about, I think, I don't know if I talked to you afterwards or before, 
or I might have just mentioned you in a tweet or something, when Vern Gagne passed, you know, a couple months ago. Yeah. That's that's a huge thing. One of the innovators, one of the biggest originators in wrestling. But he wasn't just on TV. We weren't just watching him the E60 special a couple weeks yeah. ago or in the um, the Legends of Wrestling thing, like I talked about before. Yeah. So, you know, it's crazy. Hey, but I, I don't want to minimize what Vern Gagne has done for his business. Yeah, exactly. A true, a true pioneer of this industry. It's just, like you said, we don't see him every every day on WWE television. Like he, he did little for WWE, period, other than his initial contribution, which is glowing all these stars over in the AWA and then, you know, give, sending them off to Vince. But uh, after that, once the AWA uh, closed his doors, Vern Gagne wasn't around too much. And Dusty, although he was in WCW for the entirety, about the entirety of the 90s, uh, when, when he finally came back to WWE, he, he was... He was a good man. He was a good soldier for Vince. He was, you know, down there scouting talent, you know, perfecting them, molding all the young guys. So uh, Dusty really touches uh, close to home at the passing of Dusty Rhodes. Uh, it affected so many people. It really did. Exactly, and he's also been on TV pretty much, not consistently, but he's been on TV quite a bit since we started watching the last 10 years or so, so it's been pretty crazy, yeah. you know, just to see him pass immediately, and of course, and also involved in the documentary, the last 10 minutes or so, I think they get a lot of quotes from the guys down at NXT, like I said, he played a big part in that um, NXT, the E60 thing, he was also at the end of the table, and they were doing the creative meetings and stuff, but they got a lot yeah. of quotes for, um, or they got one from Charlotte, <laughs> who botched that tweet like you clarified last oh. week, <laughs> it was, it was- that, that, that's not the right... I mean, I know she meant well. And yeah. She seemed actually... In the documentary last night, her quote, she seemed probably maybe the most emotional yeah. of all the uh, people. I mean, she was, she was sobbing. And I know she meant well, but yeah, it's... it's uh, slept in alleys and dined on pork and beans, Charlotte. But, you know, we'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Yeah. See, well, you had quotes from Charlotte. You had Adam Rose. They had Seth Rollins, who played a big part in his career. Kevin Owens as well. He had a lot of cool words to say about Dusty on Twitter and his, as well in that documentary. I, 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 I don't know why, though. I, I thought this. I, didn't, I wasn't going to say anything. I might have come to you. But um, Eve, Eva Marie, uh, her, her quote seemed very generic. Like, honestly, like, you could have gotten me in there. Because what she said is about the same thing that Dusty Rose did for me. Like, she said, I, I, I'll quote her right now. She said, he, he, he welcomed me with open arms and he was a true inspiration. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone had, like, these, these anecdotes and these personal stories about him, and she just said really what anyone who's ever met Dusty Rhodes could say. I, I wasn't sure why. I mean, it didn't seem like she had a really big connection. Or maybe, maybe she did, and they just didn't portray it well in the video package. But um, I, I, I found that a little uh, confusing. Yeah, I know. I was thinking the same thing when they showed everybody, even Seth Rollins, like, not everyone's going to be breaking down crying or anything like that, but, yeah. and like you said, Eva Marie is not the most, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is, but not emotional person, but she doesn't very, yeah. you know, her range of emotions is not all that good when it even comes to a standard promo. Like, I don't mind Eva Marie, she's getting better in the ring, but... She's like a piece of cardboard when it comes to personality, so maybe that's just the way that she portrayed it. But yeah, it just seemed very generic. But all the other quotes are very well done, though. Like I said, Seth Rollins and a number of others as well that he played um, a huge part. What was that? Craig? No, yeah, I can hear. They got Kevin Owens in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Kevin Owens as well. Yep, yep. Yeah, I was hoping they would get a quote from like Sami Zayn or something like that. But you know, I was I was hoping. You know, we'll talk about this in a second too. And I'm actually not really that surprised, but also generic quotes they had, um, not on the documentary, but I'm going off track here, but who was it? Cody's wife, Brandy, or Eden, she put something up on Instagram about after he passed, I think on Thursday or Friday, it was weird, it kind of like wrote like an obituary, it was like, you know, he died with his family, we love you, or it was something very short, it was weird, but there was that, and then... Yeah, she wasn't in the documentary, Cody and Dustin. I mean, obviously, they showed highlights of the Hall of Fame sermon. I don't expect them to be in it. They put it together on Friday. They're probably still at home, you know, arranging the funeral, which I believe is tomorrow. But that gets to my next point, which I forgot to ask you about. What are your thoughts on bringing back Cody Rhodes? I know we were very vocal about this when we talked about this last week in the phone when I broke the news to you. Um, How do you think they should handle Cody Rhodes, Stardust, whatever, going forward? Well, I don't, I I can't imagine how they could possibly, possibly bring him back out. In the uh, yellow and black tights. I mean, he's. It's. I mean, I know it's not really a case. Dusty's death isn't you know storyline or anything, but I don't see how after something as monumental or tragic, really, that happened to Dusty, they could kind of. I, it's not. I don't think. 
far this is a rib to Cody. I think that he really wanted to, you know, do his best and to kind of take after his brother Goldust. Like, uh, Goldust really ran with the character and made it his own and made it phenomenal, really. I think Stardust won a similar challenge. Everyone knows that Cody Rhodes is, you know, a phenomenal worker. Could have been, still potentially could be a uh, future world champion. I think that Stardust kind of wanted to take on the challenge of, you know, getting this weird gimmick, but actually making it work. And unfortunately, he hasn't made it work. Um, I I won't say that he can't make it work, but it's just, with what he was given, I don't think uh, it, it really helped his talents, or it showed off uh, his uh, talents in the ring. But um, regardless, I think that after something as tragic as the death of Dusty Rhodes, I think that uh, there's, there's no choice but to bring Cody Rhodes back. I mean, in a more serious uh you know, competitive light. I mean, there's Stardust. I, I won't completely poop on him. I mean, Stardust was entertaining. Oh, I mean, a little, but <laughs> Cody Rhodes was Cody Rhodes was just you know head and shoulders above the character Stardust. I mean, there's there's little to hate about. Him. I mean, maybe if you go back in hindsight and see that, well, we got you know, three new stars in the Shield, and we don't want to you know set Cody up right yet, so we'll give him a little gimmick with Stardust, so just to keep him busy. Maybe if that was what they were going for, sure. But I think now more than ever, it's time to not only put him in the spotlight, but put him in the spotlight back as Cody Rhodes. I commend Cody Rhodes for at least trying to make the gimmick work. I mean, this is not the first time something like this has happened. I mean, I thought the Stardust gimmick was the worst thing he's done in his career. Not because of of, of his own talent, of his own effort. It's because just the way they booked him, but... Um, you know, the, the mustache thing, the uh, when he was wearing the mask a couple years ago, it's not the first time he's been saddled with, with a terrible gimmick. He makes it work to the best of his ability, so I commend him. But, you know, and I said this years ago when he was being wasted after or during the whole Rhodes Scholar scene, that was great and all, but there have been various points during the feud with Big Show after he lost the title where, you know, I'm thinking this guy's a future world champion. You have to capitalize on his potential right now, and people are saying, you know, he's still young. It's okay. He's like in his late 20s, but he's not going to get any younger. The guys, I think, I think he turned 30 this year or will be turning 30 or 31, something along uh, along those lines. So yeah. they've got to capitalize right now. And I'm not saying, I mean, I, I did say this to you that, you know, give the guy the world title right now. He deserves it. I'm not saying you need to give him the Rey Mysterio Eddie treatment from 10 years ago. You don't need to do that. But even though he deserves it, maybe in due time, I'm not saying you need to do that ASAP. But, you know, this is not my idea. I saw someone else say this and I thought it was, Excellent. I heard someone else say this. Um, maybe not as of last night because it's still too soon. Cena wasn't even on the show. But at some point down the line, if Kevin Owens doesn't take that title, you could have Cody Rhodes come out, accept that open challenge, and win that championship from a big name like John Cena, get a huge win, and win that title, win the same title that his dad made famous. So what do you think of that idea? Yeah. I mean, that, that sounds great. It really does. Cody is the U.S. champ. Uh, but honestly... I've, I've known this from as soon as the kid put knee pads on and finally got rid of his weird shin pads. I remember that, I think it was World Rumble 2012, he finally got the knee pads going. Um, and I, the, kid, the kid was a star. He really was. I mean, there's he had a great look, he's great in the ring, great on the mic. I mean, I honestly, especially after this, I, I, I want nothing less than for Cody to be a world champion one day. I, I sincerely mean that. I mean... Uh, you can go back to um, uh, World Class Championship Wrestling down in Texas after the passing of David Von Erich. Uh, Carrie Von Erich went on to face um, Ric Flair for the NWA Championship in Texas Stadium. And he uh, ended up beating Ric Flair for the NWA Championship. And I'm sure that wasn't in the plans of uh, NWA, but since David Von Erich, who uh, meant so much to a lot of people as Dusty did, uh, since he passed away... David was going to be an NWA champion for the yeah, I don't know. Since he passed away, they gave the title to carry in his me- to carry Von Eric in his memory and David's memory. So I think that they should do something like that with Cody. I mean, I'm sure that Cody Rhodes was never in the world title plans. I mean, we have Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar going out at a battleground. I saw, I don't know if this is confirmed, I might be behind, but I saw a poster for SummerSlam that showed Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar on the poster. Um, I'm not sure if that's confirmed, but... Uh, I doubt Cody Rhodes is anyone in the immediate, you know, world title booking um, 
for 2015. But I think it's it's necessary that you give him a world title shot. At, at least give him a great match with the world champion. You know, put him back in that main event role. I mean, he was never really in the main event role, but it, I, he was always a main event caliber worker. So I mean, give him give him give him Cody Rhodes back. Let him be a main event star. You don't have to give him the title, but I mean, if, if Dusty meant that much to you, it, it, it does. It, addressing WWE uh, corporate. If Dusty meant that much to you, it shouldn't be that hard to give Cody Rhodes a push. I'm just baffled that in the many years that he's been in Money in the Bank, at least three or four times he's been in Money in the Bank, that he's yet to win it. I know like Kofi Kingston's been in like 10 of them and he's never won one, but the biggest difference between a Kofi Kingston and a Cody Rhodes is that I could definitely see Cody Rhodes being a future world champion. Like you said, I had that exact same thought. When he put on those knee pads and he was wearing that, he had the white tights and he had the uh, white intercontinental championship around his waist to go to match it. It was perfect. Like the guy screamed future world champion and they just screwed it up somewhere along the way. So I think now is the time to start booking him as that main event talent, as he should be. And I hate the arguments that he's not over as himself. He always needs a gimmick to fall back on. I dare anyone to go back in the network because it's on the network, the Money in the Bank 2013, when he was ascending that ladder. I think it was Philadelphia, one of the best crowds in wrestling history, or at least recently, you know. Um, but he was ascending that crowd. He was ascending that ladder. The crowd was going crazy for him. They weren't chanting mustache. They weren't chanting stardust. They weren't chanting mask or whatever. They were chanting Cody, and they loved him. The summer of 2013 was his year. And, you know, you watch. I was watching it like the day that uh, Dusty passed away a couple days ago. The match that he had a battleground with Goldust and The Shield, one of my favorite matches of that year, and it was so great to see those guys have their moment. But he was so over, and I don't know where they lost yeah. it. But and you know, like you said, they gave him that competitive matchup that year. Um, I think it was the, I think Orton was the champion at that time when he was yeah. a WWE champion, and that was when he got fired. I think it was. So you know, they they have done something like that before, and I think love the idea. I mean, the U.S. Championship run would be great. But if he's not in the immediate plans to become world champion at any point in the near future, but now is the time to start capitalizing on it and uh, give him that world championship run that he deserves. If only. I mean, I could, no, go ahead. I, I see the argument that you know potentially he's not over enough for a world championship status. I can see someone making that argument. But Vince McMahon likes to tell how he can get a broomstick over in the middle of the ring. <laughs> yeah. So if you can get a broomstick over, you can definitely get Cody Rhodes over 100%. Yeah, well, I think it's more the fact, I mean, more the argument that people make is that that's, that not only that is he not over, because he has been over before, I don't think, that, I mean, right now he's not over, I mean, when you lose to R-Truth on a, on a pre-show, of course you're not going to be over, just ask Wade Barrett, but, I mean, with him, the guy's got all the tools, that's the thing, I think that, that that's what separates him from all the other mid-card talent right now, he's got the look, he's got the mic skills, he's come so far on the mic, and then in the ring, the guy's a natural, so I really don't see any reason why he at least shouldn't be in consideration to be a future world champion or in contention for that title. I just I don't get it. But hopefully, um, you know, like I said, hopefully they give him some time off when he comes back. He can uh, win that championship in honor of Dusty and remembrance of him as a tribute to his father, um, especially with Father's Day being the sun. It's so terrible timing. But like we said before, RIP Dusty Rhodes, one of the greatest of all times. And like we said, we were able to meet him. You were able to get a picture with him um, five years ago at Northeast Wrestling, an incredible experience. And you guys can read all about it in the latest edition of John's Jargon at NextEarWrestling.net. So, John, any final thoughts before I let you go? I just want to say that we'll never forget the dream, the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, because we'll live in our hearts and our minds forever. You got it, brother. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate it. Rest in peace, Dusty. Awesome talking to John, as always. You can follow him on Twitter at underscore John's Jargon. And as I mentioned in my conversation with him, you can check out his latest John's Jargon edition on nextairwrestling.net, remembering the late, great Dusty Rhodes. From there, we get into our Money in the Bank review. For the first time ever here on the show, Bleach Report featured columnist Ryan Dilbert. Hello. Hey, Ryan. It's Graham. Hey, how you doing, man? Doing good. How about you? Well, first and foremost, before we get started here, Bob, for anyone familiar with your work from Bleacher Report, uh, where can the people find you and just kind of let you know, uh, just kind of let the people a little bit about yourself? Uh, I'm the uh, lead writer for uh, the WWE section. Um, you can find me on Twitter at, uh, at Ryan Dilbert. Pretty simple, just uh, my name. Um, and I got stuff up every day, so you'll see... Uh, See my thoughts on, on all the happenings. 
all the time. Perfect, perfect. Big fan of your work, but kicking it off here, Money in the Bank from this past Sunday night. Um, kicking off the show was the tribute to Dusty Rhodes. So before we get into any of the matches here, what were your thoughts on how WWE handled the tribute to the late, great American dream, Dusty Rhodes? Uh, personally, I thought it was perfect. Um, they always do these tributes really, really well. And I like how they, they didn't just focus on his WWE stuff as a part of his career. Um, you didn't see a lot of the polka dots. You saw the you saw the stuff with Flair. You saw um, some of his great promos. So um, it was more representative than you than you might have thought. So I thought it was great. Yeah, absolutely agreed. I love the fact that they had the video package. They had the 10-bell salute at the start of the show. Um, so that was great to see as well. They've replayed that vignette on Monday Night Raw a number of times. The tribute or the documentary last night in the WWE Network. So I thought it was very well handled and a great way of kicking off the show and paying tribute to the dream. And like you said, a great way of also incorporating his uh, pre-WWE work from Florida Championship Wrestling, all the territories, some of his polka dot stuff, as you mentioned, some of his greatest uh, in-ring matches and promos and whatnot. So I thought that was great as well. But on the kickoff, off show we had bad news bear um, excuse me king barrett taking on r-truth r-truth going over the king he also beat him the subsequent night on raw kind of a nothing match but i want to get your thoughts on the match itself if you have any and wwe's use of uh king barrett i'm a huge barrett fan i think he can be really good for wwe if they can use him right but um i guess wwe doesn't tend to think so so what were your thoughts on the match itself and the current use of uh bad news barrett barrett whatever wade barrett in, in wwe well, I think I'm with you in that, you know, I foresee him uh, doing so much more, being so much more, uh, and he's continually, uh, you know, dropped to the side. And, and this, uh, the pre-show match is a good example of that, where um, it seems like a joke and it seems like a way to get our truth over um, with no real direction for, for Barrett. And, and it's really surprising you would think after winning King of the Ring, that would get him going a little bit, but um, it hasn't. It hasn't done much for him at all. It's very surprising. That's a thing, too, because like you said, he's been doing nothing for a while. I mean, he's had a lot of start and stop pushes dating back to the Nexus five years ago, whether it was the brawling thing, the bad news thing, the king, whatever. Just nothing seems to work for him. I think he makes it, the, he makes it work to the best of his ability. They just don't you know, stay consistent with his push. He doesn't win enough matches. You know, he's beating Ziggler one week, and then he's losing to R-Truth on a kickoff show. So it doesn't make any sense in how they're utilizing him right now. Um, but one question for you in regards to Wade Barrett and Bad News Barrett, King Barrett, like I said, you can call him whatever you want. Um, what do you think they need to do, or or Barrett needs to do, in order to be successful in WWE? Just strip himself of all the gimmicks? Like, just stop the King stuff? Um, I know that's been successful in the past, but just, you know, dating back to Sheamus as well, they never really did him any good. WWE's just booking him wasn't really all that solid and yeah. consistent. So, um, what do you think they need to do in order to get it right with Bad News Barrett so they can, you know, Barrett, in order to realize his full potential in WWE? Uh, really, maybe just sticking with something and being consistent, because, uh, like you said, he, he does well with what he's given, and when he was doing the bad news thing from the podium and, and whatnot, uh, that was going well. And uh, he was he was managing to get you know get the most out of that, and then you didn't see it anymore. And um, I don't know, just stick with something, let him let him work on it, let him um, connect with the crowd in some way, uh, and you know get you know, give some wins. That would be good too. Yeah, exactly. It's it's all about just the wins, too, and the gimmick itself. And as you mentioned, the Bad News Barrett thing, when they first started, I know it was like kind of a spinoff of whatever they were doing on the YouTube channel with um, yeah. the JBL and Cole show. I know he was on there for a while, but... You know, the thing is that really discourages me is that they give him these characters and he makes them work, like you said, much like Cody Rhodes and the Stardust stuff, the mustache, almost almost the exact same thing. But then when he starts to get it over, as you mentioned, he was going really well with it. He had the podium. People were, it was over with the crowd. When you would hear, I'm afraid I've got some bad news, the crowd would pop. And when he came back late last year, early this year, he was over. And then they just kind of killed him with the IC title run. 
and just losing all of these matches. And that's what's discouraging yeah. to me, you know, that, that he's over with these characters. And then right when you think, you know, he's gaining traction, maybe you turn him babyface. They just kind of just rip the rug right underneath him. And it's, I don't know, like, it, it's the same thing with, like, Zack Ryder to an extent when they had him a couple years ago. Same thing, kind of. But, yeah, it's sad to see. But hopefully they can um, kind of make a turnaround with Barrett at some point in the near future. Lost to uh, R-Truth, like I said, the next night on Raw in, like, 10 seconds. So kind of depressing, but... Hopefully they can just kind of uh, you know give him a character that he can stick with and just kind of stay consistent with his booking. But on the actual show, kicking off the show, was the Money in the Bank ladder match, pitting Roman Reigns, Dolph Ziggler, Neville, Kofi Kingston, Sheamus. We also had, I'm trying to think of the other combatants. Oh, Kane as well as, did I say Neville? I know you we had Ziggler. Ziggler, yep. Ziggler, Neville, Sheamus, Roman Reigns, Kane, Kofi Kingston, and who was the other guy? I can't remember for the life of me. Jeez, I can't remember. But they didn't win anyway, so it doesn't matter. But Sheamus came out Sheamus came out victorious. The new Mr. Money in the Bank. Roman Reigns was the fan favorite going in. Got cost the contest by Bray Wyatt kicking off that feed. We got a little taste of that the next night on Raw. I'll talk about that in a minute. But, um, yeah, Sheamus is the new Mr. Money in the Bank. Did not uh, go very well, go over very well with the live audience or the people of, you know, the IWC, online fans, whatever. A lot of people were very uh, very angry about Sheamus being the, becoming the new Mr. Money in the Bank. So before I get my thoughts, I want to get what you thought of that, about, the, uh, about Sheamus' victory. What do you think about Sheamus as Mr. Money in the Bank? Do you think it's a good move? Uh, I just I don't think they had a whole lot of options with that group. Do Roman Reigns in that spot? I think people feel like it's too obvious, and uh, you know, feels a bit forced. Um, I didn't think they would go for Orton again, and too too recently. Ziggler is, you know, someone I would have liked to see, but you know, I, that's just not a realistic option. They don't treat him on that level anymore. Uh, so I can see I see where they're going with that. Um, I like it from the perspective of I don't know where they're going to go with it. There might be some authority um, involvement, but uh, with Reigns, you know, it seems like, oh, I know where this is going. He's going to go after Rollins. Um, There's going to be a shield element, but with Sheamus, it's a bit up in the air. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm open to it, and um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, only time will tell. I mean, I was the minority. I liked it. I'm not even a Sheamus fan. I just think that since he came back, the night after WrestleMania, he's been doing at least some of or at least the best work of his career to date. I mean, even the pre-stuff or when he was before he became a babyface and he first came in, he wasn't booked very strongly. I know, like, so far he's lost a few matches here and there, but the matches with Ziggler were great. He's got a new theme, got a new look. It's great. I'm really enjoying it. So I thought it was a well-deserved victory, and we don't know where it's going. Like you said, I think if anything about this, I know people didn't like it. They think Sheamus is boring. That's all well and good. But I think we can all appreciate the fact that no one really saw this coming. I know a lot of people, or not a lot of people, but I know there were a few people that maybe thought Sheamus was going to win over Roman Reigns, but not. A, it was not the, um, you know, he was not the popular candidate. That was Roman Reigns, and that was kind of the predictable route. They were foreshadowing it. He was the focus of the program for you know the, the weeks going into the pay per view. So. It's something a lot of people didn't see coming. I thought it was a nice swerve. It's not the worst choice they couldn't gone with. It wasn't the best choice, like you said. Um, Dolph Ziggler was in there, but I feel like you know he's the guy that's already had the briefcase. They could be doing more with him, but um, he's another guy that could have won. Kofi Kingston would have seemed a little random. Would have been cool, but it would have been a little random. Neville, it's too yeah. soon. You know, there, there's I, I think of that crew of, of that crop of guys in that matchup. Um, Sheamus was a good fit. No one really saw it coming. It was a great finish to the match. And um, as you mentioned, it could really go in a number of directions. The authority is definitely an option. You know, some people I've been seeing, some people pitch the idea of uh, him cashing in on Seth Rollins and he joins the authority and Rollins goes babyface, kind of kicking off the, you know, highly rumored feud between Rollins and Triple H. I don't know if we can see that going into SummerSlam or WrestleMania or what, but there's a lot of different directions as to where they can go with it. And um, I'm interested to see where it goes. But what were your thoughts on the match itself? In which Sheamus won? Do you think it was one of the best Money in the Bank ladder matches of all time? One of the worst? Uh, what were your thoughts on it? Um, well, you know, I had a lot um, less of the big spots than some of the other matches, but I, I think that you know, it's fine. You don't just you want it to be more story than than, um, than spots, and I, I felt like that was definitely the case with um, with Kofi and, and, and Neville both. 
had some some real legitimate change. It was like they, they were going to win. Um, some of the psychology was pretty good. Um, not 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 the best of the bunch, but definitely enjoyable. And um, what, what about you? Yeah, I thought it was a good match as well. I wouldn't call it like one of the best or anything like that. But as you mentioned, there weren't any crazy over-the-top spots. And it's not that there should have been. Um, I definitely enjoyed the matchup, and I thought the outcome kind of made it worthwhile because no one really saw it coming. Had Roman Reigns won, maybe my enjoyment my, uh, my enjoyment level of this matchup wouldn't have been as high. But yeah, I thought it was a good way of kicking off the show. And as you mentioned, just not as many crazy spots. Not that it's necessary, but Kingston and MVP, not MVP, uh, Kingston and Neville were the MVPs of this matchup, both faring very well, as a lot of people expected. Um, some cool spots, not a lot of memorable you know, spots about it, but it was still a good ladder match. You know, in comparison to some of the other Money in the Bank ladder matches we've gotten in recent years, another one that Rollins won last year was amazing. The All-Stars won from two years ago. A couple of the other ones from recent years have been really, really good. So there's some tough competition. Um, but, you know, you see the same match every year. You have the same competitors. There's only so much you can do. You know, if it continues, maybe you scrap the matchup. I mean, I know there's a lot more you can do with that match, the Money in the Bank concept. Um, I think it's only scratched the surface, but um, I think so far, I think the matchup this past Sunday was good and a nice way of kicking off the show. So from there, we go into the Divas Championship matchup. Nikki Bella defending against Paige. Pretty good matchup. I thought it was better than their triple threat match from Elimination Chamber. But in the end, it was Nikki Bella coming out victorious after some shenanigans, doing the whole twin magic thing. Brie revealed herself to be Brie. And then after showing the tattoos and unstuffing her bra, I thought that was pretty creative. A lot of people did not like it. I, I thought it was innovative. But And then Nikki Bella came out victorious. Whether she got DQ'd or not, wouldn't matter. She would have retained the championship uh, nevertheless. So Nikki Bella is still the Divas champion. Uh, what were your thoughts on the matchup and the uh, the the, the sub- Subsequent finish. Did you like it? Did you hate it? What were your thoughts on that? The match itself um, is, you know, small. They're, they're taking small steps and letting uh, the women go for a little, little longer, and they're just better quality matches from the women um, on the main roster. Um, not anything at the level of what the NXT women are doing, but they were going the right way there. Um, as for the ending, it's, it's just weird to me when the, when the announcers are confused about the rules. And and when they, they're confused, I feel confused. I thought there was a bit of a lack of logic there in terms of her not, um, the Bella's not getting disqualified. And it would have had the same result that he would have attained. So you could have done the same thing, just um, if she's interfering, I think, you know, the, the ref needs to stop it. No, I definitely agree, and you make a great point in that if the commentators are confused, then so are the viewers, and they should be clear on the rules, and that was what kind of made the finish of the match a little bit convoluted, a little bit controversial, and um, you know, not only with these kind of matches, but this any match, I've seen it a number of times before, I don't know if it's supposed to be intentional or not, but um, I definitely agree in it that. It seems very recently they've been doing that a lot more, um, with Rollins and uh, Orton, with the RKO being banned. Exactly, yep. They, they had no idea what's going on. I mean, they're supposed to be the guides to this world and say, okay, this is the story of the match. This is what's happening. Um, but it's like they're taking us off of the story and going somewhere else for some reason. Definitely. I mean, I feel like in that specific scenario as well, I mean, it's one thing to have like a heel be the voice of reason, but to not, I mean, and like kind of point out the flaws and make sense of everything, that's one thing. But then to have not one person of the three commentators behind the booth not make any sense of the finish whatsoever, it definitely leaves you confused and kind of a little bit mad at what you just saw. So I definitely agree. And hopefully that's something, like I said, maybe it's intentional, maybe it's not, but hopefully that's something they can change. Going forward, the state of commentary has been a, bit, a little bit, you know, you don't need me to say that, but it's been pretty bad for, for quite a while, so hopefully they can improve upon that. Just kind of nitpicking stuff there, but I do agree. And, um, yeah, so Nikki Bella is still the Davis champion. The next night on Raw, they had a two-on-one handicap match, pinned Paige. Paige had a little a rah-rah thing behind the, uh, you know, backstage before the matchup, kind of recruiting Divas. No one joined her, and that was pretty much it. A lot of people thought that, or myself included, thought that this would be the debut of a new woman from NXT, specifically either Charlotte or Sasha Banks. 
We didn't get that. Maybe next week. I'm holding out hope. But um, what are your thoughts on the future of the Divas division going forward? Do you feel like now is the time to start bringing up the NXT talent, whether it be one of the four horsewomen, you know, Bailey, Charlotte, um, Becky Lynch, or Sasha Banks? Or what do you feel they need to do going forward to uh, kind of change people's perception of the Divas? Uh, there, I mean, I feel like a lot of them have been ready for a long time. Um, Sasha, in particular, Charlotte, Charlotte can definitely do a lot for the division. But um, more than that, it's going to be a, a situation where Vince McMahon himself is going to have to change his philosophy. Like women aren't just a uh, you know a snack; they can be the main course um when he's ready to do that i think that's where the big change will come because uh, they already have Paige, uh naomi natalia a lot of talent already um just a matter of those women not getting consistent stories like as soon as naomi lost that, that triple threat she's out she's out of you know out of the picture completely mm-hmm. like, we, we're gonna have you can't just have these the champion and the challenger, and that's it for stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And we have the talent on the roster. It's not a lack of, oh, you know, they're not good wrestlers. Like you mentioned, we have Natalia, we have Naomi, we have Paige, Emma, Charlotte, all the women in NXT. The list goes on and on and on. And then I, I just. I have to say, like, I am one of the biggest critics of the Bellas, but uh, Nikki has gotten a lot, lot better, and she can put on a good match. So that's. Like I said, talent's not the issue there. Yeah, exactly. I'm not a huge Bell fan either, but yeah, I could definitely agree with you there that they have improved a lot, especially Nikki. You know, as a character, I feel like she could just stand alone. I never really understood why they put the Bellas back together. Maybe it was a marketing thing. I have no idea. But they, I, like, they like twins. We've seen that. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So maybe that's why. I don't know what the deal is with her. I know on Total Divas, they were kind of teasing that one of them was going to be leaving, or maybe both of them. We'll find out in a right. couple weeks, you know, on the return of Total Divas. I have no idea, but um, maybe that's just her thing. I, you know, I know they talked about at one point that that's a lot more marketable, that, um, you know, the both of them together, the Bell Twins, are a much bigger name than just Nikki alone. But I feel like in 2015, Nikki can be a big name on her own, considering not only that because she's in a relationship with John Cena, but she has come a long way as a character. She sells merch, I mean, the fearless stuff, whatever. So I feel like she can stand alone, and they just... They only tested the waters with it for only a couple of months, for a couple of weeks even last year, before they just completely, you know, just botched the whole storyline and they just put them back together. Not that it was a good storyline to begin with, but that that never really made much sense. But I do agree, though, it's that it's not the talent, it's more so just the booking. I mean, it's one thing, I hate to go back to the booking and the creative team, but, you know, just simple things like crea- character development. Like you said, you have Naomi who turns heel. She's, you know, one of the highlights of the program for the women for a couple of weeks, you know, pairs up with Tamina and then she's completely off TV. And then, you know, you don't see any, you don't see any of her for like two weeks until last night. And then you have people that you don't know if Nikki's supposed to be a baby face. Is she a heel? Am I supposed to like Paige? Like there's no real, Summer Rae was a heel and a tween. It doesn't make any sense, you know? So. They, just, they just have just been going back and forth with that. That's it, been driving me nuts, especially with Nikki. Mm-hmm. Like she's, oh, she's going up against Naomi, so now she's a baby face with no explanation, no motivation, no basic wrestling character progress. So, so the issue, like you said, oh, it's all over the place. A lot, a lot of fixes. Exactly, and I mean, it's not, you know, rocket science or anything like that. I know you you don't even have to be a wrestling mind. You don't have have to have a mind for the business to figure that kind of stuff out. You know, people writing these shows, I believe most of the creative writers, I'm sure there's a lot of talented guys on there, but a lot of these people that they hire write for TV, and that's, you know, basic storyline stuff. That's, you know, just basic storytelling 101 is that you have character development a protagonist and an antagonist, and they keep on switching back and forth, and people just stop caring. You know, I thought they had a good match on Sunday. They had a decent match last night on Raw, but people will just sit on their hands because they really have no incentive to cheer for either woman. It's just basic stuff. So hopefully, you know, Triple H, you know, she, he's doing a great job with the women down in NXT. Hopefully he can kind of take the reins of the women on the main roster and hopefully kind of change people's perception of them um, going forward. 
But going forward here, we have our next matchup for the Intercontinental Championship. We won't spend too long on this. But a uh, big show against Ryback. Ryback retains via disqualification after the Miz interferes and gets Ryback disqualified. So Big Show wins, but not the title. So uh, match only lasted a few minutes and led to the whole thing the next night with Miz beating Big Show via countout. Looks like we're heading in a triple threat. That's the direction we're heading in for the next pay-per-view at Battlegrind for that IC title. So what were your thoughts on Big Show versus Ryback? Uh, the, the whole thing feels like a, a transitional thing. Like I don't know if I'm, if I'm really supposed to care. Uh, this is just his first big test for Redback, and uh, I don't I don't want to go on very long. I, I think that's generally um, a lot of people are thinking, um, and it seems like they're trying to protect. Both of them by, by having the short match and then adding the Miz because a, a longer match with the two of them will be a bit hard to uh, digest. Yeah, I don't know how they would fare against each other if they gave them 10 or 15 minutes. I like Ryback. I don't know how good of a chemistry, you know, how good a chemistry he could have with Big Show. The match wasn't bad. It only lasted a few minutes, which is probably for the better. I enjoyed the stuff the next night with Miz going over in his hometown. He was going crazy. Like, he's a really good character. Ryback's come a long way. Big Show, not a huge Big Show fan, but at least he's not in the main event. At least he's not facing Roman Reigns, so that's a step in the right direction. It's something new, too. We haven't seen him versus Ryback before, so I'm fine with it. Um, but, you know, they can make it work. I didn't really care for the matchup all too much. Ryback, it would have been asinine to take the title off of him this soon. So I'm glad they're going in the direction of the triple threat. Nothing I'm too, too invested in, but, uh, you know, for right now, it's, it's something for him to do. Like you said, a big test for him coming right out of the gate as Intercontinental Champion. Keeps him busy. He's not losing non-title matches like Barrett was, so that's something too. So I'm enjoying it for what it is, and hopefully, it, you know, it can only get better as the weeks uh, move forward. So up next, we have what a lot of people are calling the match of the night, and I absolutely have to agree: champion versus champion. Number two, the rematch: John Cena versus Kevin Owens. Another gem of a match between these two. John Cena ultimately goes over after three attitude adjustments. After the contest, showing respect to Kevin Owens, looking to shake his hand, Owens declines, delivers a pop-up powerbomb on the apron, as we've seen many times before in NXT, to Neville, Alex Riley, Sami Zayn, the list goes on. And that was it. John Cena was not on Raw on Monday night, and Kevin Owens had a great match against Dolph Ziggler on that show. So what are your thoughts on John Cena versus Kevin Owens, the match, the feud, and where you see it going from here? Uh, uh, definitely one of the best matches of the year. Um, and I guess we'll talk more about it later, but um, the latter match at the end of the night, to me, w was better for uh, a few reasons. But uh, this this feud is, is kind of reignited a, a passion, in a way, in, in that it, it, it appeals to this indie style. You know, there's so many of these... these uh, moves that, that you see on any circuit uh, mixed with this WWE style that, that, that Cena uses. Um, and I like that they're protecting Owen. I mean, I would have loved to see him win, but they made that, they made his loss, you know, as good a loss as you can get. And then he ends, he ends it with, with putting, putting Cena on the shelf, so uh, they're definitely high on him, which, which I'm happy about. And I feel like this feud, I, I do agree with you there that Kevin Owens should have gone over in that. I mean, I'm not going to complain. I thought the match was great. The post-match attack kept heat on Kevin Owens. John Cena wasn't on Raw the next night, so they booked this guy as strongly as possible. And I realized he kicked out of two attitude adjustments, so he was made to look very, very good in defeat. So I'm not complaining about that at all. But with the outcome, I feel like, you know, and I was saying this going into the show that this should have been the one for you, the one guy that John Cena couldn't have beaten. He Like, he couldn't beat. I keep on losing to this guy. I went 0-2 uh, against him. Even, even if, you know, Kevin Owens won via disqualification, Cena was punching him in the corner. A lot of people may have booed that finish. Sure, it might have been a lame finish, but it would, it would have kept Kevin Owens undefeated. And it's not the fact that, you know, you need to build up another Goldberg streak with this guy, but I feel like his first win, you know, it came in a huge match. I'm not denying that, but I feel like it could have came... At a, at a time later down the line where when John Cena finally beat him, it would have meant something. But like I said, maybe they have a bigger picture here. 
Kevin Owens mentioned the next night on Raw that he wants the U.S. title. Why he wants it now and he didn't want it after he beat Cena the first time, I don't know. But maybe the end game is a U.S. title win for Owens, either at Battleground or at SummerSlam. So I ask you this. Do you feel like the final rubber match, and we definitely are getting one. I mean, it's all but confirmed. Do you think that goes down at either Battleground in a couple weeks, and I think in five weeks or so, or SummerSlam in August, and who do you see going over and ending the feud? Um, with with Lesnar and Rollins at Battleground, I feel like you could definitely save uh, Owens and Cena three for SummerSlam, and um, you can you can have more time to build. You can have uh, Cena be injured longer, um, make it bigger. Especially if Owens is going to win, if he you know wins that 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 third match at SummerSlam, it would be just you know a bigger feat, so I would, I would definitely like to see that happen. And you make a good point, too, with Seth Rollins versus Lesnar happening at the next pay-per-view, there's real, there, there's honestly no need to have that match as soon as Battleground in a couple weeks, so they can't hold off on that. Um, so I'd be completely content with them holding it off until SummerSlam. And John Cena, I don't know if they'll keep him off TV for five weeks. I would hope so. I mean, in a perfect booking world, we would keep him off TV. I don't see that happening, unfortunately. He only sold the Lesnar attack from SummerSlam. For eight days, and he came back, you know, all well and good, no, you know, showing no signs of war or anything like that. He just kind of came back, and he was completely fine. So I expect the same thing to happen next week, unfortunately. But in a perfect world, I also would keep him off TV for a while, sell the injury, come back the night after Battleground, and start building to that one match at um at, at SummerSlam, the rubber match, and hopefully that's where Owens goes over and wins the championship. So moving right along here for the WWE Tag Team titles, the primetime players beating the New Day in shocking fashion to win the gold. Once again, a lot of people split on this. Do you think it was time for the New Day to drop the gold to the primetime players? Was it, well-deserved, was it a well-deserved victory? Or do you feel like the wrong people went over in this matchup? Um, I you know generally prefer just really long reigns just so that people have a chance to um, establish themselves and uh, create their stories for longer. Uh, in the New Day, it, it, it sure didn't feel like they held those pillows house for long. Um, and the primetime players, I'm, I'm actually big fans of theirs, but this, this moment could have been a lot bigger if there had been more time beforehand. It just felt like a big surprise with no uh, no meat to it. And that's the thing, too. I feel like they need to kind of extend their feuds. And like you said, I mean, they've been feuding a, a little bit since Elimination Chamber, since the whole since primetime players were the last men standing in that matchup. And I, too, am a huge primetime players fan, so I was happy to see them win the gold. But it would have meant more with the more of um, you know, with more of a build, as you mentioned, with more meaning, with more of a story behind it. So I'm glad they're champions. And as you mentioned, too, I'm also a huge fan of long reigns. And it just feels like with the tag team division, we have a lot of great teams. We have, you know, the Usos are going to be back in a couple months. You have the players, you have the New Day, you have the Lucha Dragons, Zaro and Kid, hopefully, when they come back in a couple months. Harper and Rowan, a lot of great tag teams. But of all these tandems, they need to find one team they can build that entire division around. And it looked like they were doing that. I mean, they did that for a while with the Usos last year. But then, going into the new year, it always seems like... They keep on changing those titles every other month. It goes from Golden Stardust to Miz and Mizdow, the Usos, Cesaro and Kid, the New Day, Primetime Players. Every single, every other month, we have a new set of tag team champions crowned to the point where it's just getting ridiculous. So I'm hoping that, I mean, once again, it feels like this might be a transitional period for the tag team titles once again so they can get the belts on Harper and Rowan, which is fine. At least the Primetime Players get a one-off reign with the titles. They deserve it. It's been a long time coming. But um, I do agree as well that the, that the New Day were a great, you know, they're a very entertaining act. They're not damaged by this, but it would have been nice if they got a long reign and kind of added more credibility to those tag team championships because they have not really been holding on to them for that much long, you know, for that long until they dropped them uh, on Sunday. So hopefully... They were just, I thought they were just gaining momentum with their, with their characters. They were mm-hmm. just getting um, so good at it. And a big part of their character is these over-celebrations of, uh, of their small wins, you know? So when they're champions, it makes more sense for them to they have more chances to do that. Um, the pissed-off version, uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But um, to me, like, the gleeful, like, 
in your face were champions is, is with the best role for them. But uh, we'll, we'll have to see. No, I definitely agree. I feel like, you know, when they won those tag team titles two months ago and they were drinking the milk backstage and whatever, and they, was it, I think it might have been payback where I think Xavier Ward spit out the milk or whatever when he was told that they had to defend the titles inside the elimination chamber. I think it was a payback. And, um, yeah, those guys are great. And it's amazing to see how far they've come in the last eight months. You know, these guys were one of the worst things on TV as baby faces and a complete turnaround. They finally flipped the switch. And I mean, a lot of people, myself included, were hoping for a more aggressive, um, you know, a more aggressive side. Maybe they'll show it now that they're not champions, as you mentioned. I mean, they might be more pissed off. We'll have to wait and see. But, you know, now even... Yeah, yeah, we'll see, and uh, definitely at some point. And you know, I, I was thinking, you know, people were asking as to whether, you know, if they're heels, could they keep the same gimmick? And I thought it'd be the death of them. But like you mentioned, they've they're really coming into their own. They're really finally starting to pick up some momentum, and I think it's great. And hopefully, they can continue to hone their characters and um, you know get that TV time and, and continue to be on that role despite not being tag team champions. So hopefully, this is not the end of their um, little mini push in the tag team division. So we get to the main event, as you mentioned, which was your favorite match of the night. So I want to get your thoughts on that. Seth Rollins versus Dean Ambrose in a ladder match for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Another great match on these two. Another classic outing. Rollins comes out on top. Still the WWE World Heavyweight Champion, but not without controversy. Both guys were holding on to the belt. Rollins, in the end, got the possession of the championship. Still the champion. A bit confusing. Wasn't really all that necessary, but it is what it is. The right result. Rollins is still the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. So I want to get your thoughts as to why you thought this was your favorite match of the night and just the outcome as well. Do you feel like that controversial, um, questionable finish was the right way to go with this? Um, I didn't realize how much uh, people had issue with that finish until kind of afterwards I was looking on Twitter. Uh, I was actually kind of surprised because to me that was like showing just how close this was between these guys. Like, like inches away, it's sort of um, like in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Not a couple. This is like a long time ago now. Um, when when the Titans were like a foot away from, from scoring a touchdown. To me, it was a similar thing where Ambrose is as close as you can get to winning it. And I just loved how they made both guys look so good. Like Ambrose looked almost superhuman, you know, just taking so much punishment, but still coming up. Um, and he looked like the ultimate gutsy baby face. And this is the most vicious and, and uh, calculating that I've seen Rollins be as champion. So to me, it was like the perfect world for both men, feeding on this long rivalry that is filled with so much great chemistry. Um, and... And the latter, the latter spots weren't as much just big uh, kind of stunts. They were part of the story and, and a way to showcase just how dangerous Rollins was. And you said it right there, the story. And I feel like, you know, this matchup may not have been as exciting for some people as some of their past outings. But I feel like where this matchup succeeded or superseded some of their past outings was their story. And the story they told with Ambrose taking an unreal amount of punishment, coming back from the three power bombs at ringside, still climbing up the ladder. And even though with the, you know, with the holding of the championship at the same time, almost becoming a draw. I mean, it would have been fine if, if Rollins just came out and just, you know, did the three power bombs, ascended the ladder and won the championship or retained it. That would have been fine too, but you know, as long as Rollins, Rollins retained, they didn't do a draw or vacated the title, made it abeyant again, or whatever you know, stupid term they want to use. You know, so at least it wasn't along those lines. But um, I think the highlight of this match was something we didn't even see at all was that interference from the authority, which was kind of teased. I know they said there wouldn't be any interference from the authority, but you never know at this company as to whether they're going to deliver or not. So thankfully, we saw you know, like you said, Ambrose looked very good in defeat. But Rollins coming out on top without any help from the authority whatsoever. Maybe that you know plays into that eventual Triple H turn or the Triple H uh, feud of Seth Rollins is split from the authority, whatever. But it's great to see you know that he he's a great wormy heel like Edge was about ten years ago or so. One of the best heels we've seen in a while, along with Kevin Owens. Um, but you know he's that squirmy heel. You just want to see him just get his ass kicked. But when all is said and done, he can get it. He can get the job done on his own, and it's great to see. So I absolutely. I think that's what he was- missing 
Mm-hmm. Like, you you want to see him be, you know, a chicken shit. You want to see him be uh, the slippery guy. But, like, when he's in the corner, he, he's got to bite back. Um, and I always think back to Ric Flair. When Ric Flair was doing that role in, um, you know, NWA and MCW, like, he, he would, you know, duck out of all this stuff. But, like, in the end, he would leave you limping. Um, and that, that's exactly what Rollins did. Exactly. they got to find a happy medium with the character, and I think they finally have, in that he can inflict an unreal amount of punishment, still win his matches on his own, yet still get that, um, you know, still, you know, elicit hate from the WWE Universe or get that help every once in a while if he needs it, but when he doesn't need it, he can just... You know, went on his own. He can establish his own identity and come out looking strong. So, and they finally captured the true essence of what the Seth Rollins character can and should be. So that was great to see and made for a very enjoyable way of going off the show. So, on the whole, what were your thoughts on the Money in the Bank pay per view, and what do you think you would rate it out of ten? Oh, um, it to me, um, just right below WrestleMania in terms of uh, events of the year. Um, you know, there's a lot of sort of the, the mid card stuff were, wasn't wasn't great, but um, the good matches were really really good. Um, Owens versus Cena, Rollins versus Ambrose, and, and the Money Bank, um, all really really good. So, um, no, I'm not used to putting a number on there. Um, maybe eight out of ten, maybe mm-hmm. eight point five. Um, Really enjoyed it, uh, but you know it's one of those things where I'm 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 loving what I'm seeing, I'm feeling it, and I look on the internet and I see people just you know bashing things, and it, and it makes me wonder what it takes to please some fan. Mm-hmm. That if you don't enjoy that show, what what are you waiting for? Exactly, and I feel like. I don't, I don't want to go back to like the whole attitude error thing. It's not going to be the attitude again. I think right now, for what it is and it what it's it's in its own entity compared to recent years, I feel like the program that we've been getting consistently overall since WrestleMania has been some of the best stuff that we've seen in quite a while. You know, there's so much to look forward to right now. We have a lot of great champions, a lot of fresh blood, including Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, all the Shield members, Kevin Owens, Neville, the Lucha Dragons, the women too, and, and you know, in some respect. There's a lot of great stuff to look forward to right now, and it, and it's hard. I mean, like you said, I think it's up there with one of the best shows of the year, and I mean, it's hard for me to say that too, not because the show is bad. I re- actually really enjoyed this show, but there's been so many other great shows that it's hard to rank them from like best to worst. Even the Rumble and Fastlane, you know, that happened right before WrestleMania that people weren't all that thrilled with. In retrospect, the booking decisions made sense. They were they were good shows for the most part. Extreme Rules, Payback, Chamber, now Money in the Bank, they've all been great, and then WrestleMania is in a stratosphere of its own. But um, I, I agree. I think I think the programming right now is actually pretty damn good, but maybe that's just us. I don't know. Um, and like you said, there's a lot of people... Um, you know, I saw some people bashing the pay-per-view. I saw a lot of people that thought it was good. A lot of back and forth. At least it wasn't unanimous hate. So it wasn't, you know, completely across the board. People didn't like it. So um, it's good to see that at least there's some varying opinions. And um, I would definitely give the show two thumbs up. Out of ten, um, it's hard to say. Maybe a 7.5, maybe right under an 8 or an 8 itself. I thought it was a really good show. And as you mentioned, the undercard wasn't, you know, phenomenal. It really wasn't all that memorable. I liked the tag team title change. The money in the bank I thought was good, and I thought the outcome a lot of people didn't like, but I thought that was, you know, something. It was a nice swerve. The Dusty tribute, which you can or, you know, you can or cannot really include a part of the show because that was above, you know, all, just amazing. So you can't really include it in a review, but... Like you said, the top two matches, Cena and Owens in the main event, just exceeded expectations. Both were stellar matches and among the two best bouts of the year, so that kind of kicked into the next notch in terms of a great show. But um, before we go off the show, man, thanks for so much for coming on. I appreciate it. But before I let you go, any um, well, as you mentioned before, where you, the people can find you on Twitter and on Bleach Report, etc., etc. Uh, yeah, my, my Twitter is um, at Ryan Dilbert, and at the D, like the comic book, Character, not the uh, not Gilbert, as in Gilbert Grape. Um, and I'm all over the WWE Bleacher uh, Report page. Um, good majority of those pieces of mine, uh, they're working pretty hard, especially during this uh, really packed part of the calendar. 
I've been in the vet like every two weeks. Mm-hmm. My wife has not been happy. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I feel you. But yeah, a lot of great writers on Bleacher Report. Like I said before, man, you do a lot of great work. Huge fan of your articles over on Bleacher Report and your tweets as well. You can follow him on Twitter at Ryan Dilbert. Um, once again, man, thanks a lot for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man. Many thanks to Ryan once again for coming on the show. You can follow him on Twitter at Ryan Dilbert. Follow all of his content on Bleacher Report. As I mentioned, great stuff. And once again, thanks to John at underscore John's Jargon for coming on, talking all about Dusty Rhodes, the American dream, here on today's show. But um, yeah, it's been a whirlwind of a week in the world of professional wrestling, from Money in the Bank to the Dusty Rhodes stuff. Just a crazy week in wrestling. A lot to talk about, so we went a couple minutes over time here today. But before we go off, just a few announcements. First off, next week, as I mentioned last week, will be the week that we aired the exclusive interview with former WWE star Brodus Clay, a.k.a. current TNA star Tyrus. We're talking all about his time in WWE NXT, the redemption season, who he actually cheated with to almost win the show, um, his current standing in TNA, the Brodus Clay character, what got it over, what the demise of it was, his botched heel turn, his thoughts on the Fungodactyls, where Naomi's currently going, all this other great stuff. It's an awesome 40-minute-ish conversation. I had it. I had him on the show last week. I talked to him over the phone. He's awesome. You're going to really enjoy the interview. So don't miss it. It's right here on the show next week, June 23rd. Also on June 23rd, that very same night, right after you're done listening to WrestleRant Radio, the show should be up in the afternoon because I'm only going to film like an open and a close. And that's pretty much it. So it should be up by the afternoon. Today's show went up a little bit late. But, um, so I will not be reviewing Tough Enough here on the show, um, the, the first official episode. I did watch the behind-the-scenes episode from the WWE Network just from a few hours ago, because right before this goes up, I'm just filming this episode right now. So I was able to watch the Tough Enough episode on WWE Network, the behind-the-scenes stuff, the top 40, who got cut, who made the show, and whatnot. And I thought it was good, so glad of you way to check that out, as well as the Dusty Rhodes documentary, as I mentioned earlier on with John. That was great. Really enjoyed that. So make sure to go out of your way to check out those two specials on the WWE Network. The behind-the-scenes special on Tough Enough, as well as the Dusty Rhodes documentary from Monday night. So as I mentioned before, folks, make sure to come back here next Tuesday. It's going to be dropping right here on the website, nextairwrestling.net, WrestleRant Radio, my exclusive interview with former WWE star, current TNA star, Tyrus, formerly known as Brodus Clay. It's an awesome interview. You're not going to want to miss it. My full thoughts on the season premiere of Tough Enough. I cannot wait for that show. Love Jericho. Love all the people on the show. Love Tough Enough. Like I said, I've been spending every single week for the last number of months watching all the episodes back from the season 5 from 2011. Freaking love that show, man. So make sure to check out that season too before you watch the new one. So no review of Tough Enough next week, but my thoughts on it. I'm, I'm currently planning on doing a video blog on it. Not this upcoming Friday, of course, but next Friday on YouTube. You can find me on YouTube at youtube.com backslash C backslash Graham GSM Matthews. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Graham.gsm.matthews and on Twitter at WrestleRant. Make sure to come back here to Next Air Wrestling every single day. Content is uploaded daily. We've got episodes, we've got live reviews of Monday Night Raw and full written reviews of SmackDown, Lucha Underground, NXT, Ring of Honor, TNA Impact Wrestling, NXT, like I said before, Superstars, Main Event, and everything else in between. You're not going to want to miss it. It's a great site. Thank you for visiting. Thank you for your support. You guys are awesome. Enough of my rambling. Enough of my shameless plugs. Go on and have a great week. I'll catch you guys right back here next Tuesday for my sit-down interview with Brodus Clay, now known as Tyrus. Catch you guys then.